0: What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Leadership Lean In. This is fun. This is exciting. Thank you for listening. You you could be on a jog. You could be in the car right now. Maybe you're on an airplane. Who knows where you are, but you are leaning in with us. We are a group of people called, what is our name, guys? We're the leaners. We lean into the subject of leadership. We're trying to get a little bit better every episode, get a little bit closer to the person that we are called to become. Thank you for being a leader, by the way. Thank you for saying yes to leading your business, your family, your organization, whatever you lead. What an honor and a privilege it is to be a leader. We do not take that lightly, the fact that you have said yes to being a leader. We're going to jump in in just a moment. We've got a great conversation coming to you all the way from, he is in Delaware, people. That's right you are going to be hearing from a mighty, incredible leader, a force of leadership. The great Scott Harrison is joining us today. He is the CEO of the nonprofit Charity Water. I've been to his galas. I've known Scott for a number of years, and he is just through and through a force of inspiration and insight. So we're gonna to get to that. I just want to say first of all, thank you to everybody that subscribes. Thank you for everyone that's sharing, posting about leadership lean in. It means the world to myself and the team of people that helps put on this podcast. We are uh, we're having fun. Let's be honest. We've got it, it, guys, can we just talk about who we just had on Leadership Lean In? I mean, we're on fire right now. Think about this. Robert Morris, no big deal. Louis Giglio, no big deal. Oh, by the way, Chelsea Smith crushed it. Who do we have before that? Oh, John Maxwell. We are having some fun on leadership leaning, and we are keeping the momentum going we have with us. It's not every day you have a CEO on the pod, okay? It's not every day you have somebody that just, you're going to hear him, this guy has so much energy. I mean, when he was talking, I was like, this guy is, he's smart, and he's insightful, and he's great. You're gonna love this conversation. Let's go do it right now. Scott Harrison on leadership leaning. Let's go. My man, what's up, man? This is so great. Thank you so much for doing this.
1: Good to see you. Good to see. You. It's been uh, it's been a minute. You know, so many people we haven't seen in in the flesh in a while. I, I wish this was in the flesh, but it's it's almost as good. Exactly. I wish we were in the flesh, but I want to say you look good. Like your whole the glasses. You're, you're aging well. The hair looks great. Well, the, 45, uh, 2020 vision my whole life. You know, I was the guy that was never going to get glasses. And wouldn't you know, <laughs> turn 45 and, uh, you know, low strength right now, but a little, little, <laughs> little easier to read, a little easier to see the screen. See, I've been in the glasses game so
0: long. I'm now ready for LASIK. Okay. I want to do the surgery. I want to wake up in the morning and see things. That's my goal. Okay. My goal in life is to be able to, like this morning, I'm fumbling around for my glasses. It's dark. It's early. And I'm like, one day I'm just going to be able to see everything.
1: Well, I, I think you can get that done now. <laughs> I think, yeah. The, the, the experimental so phase is way out of the way. <laughs> right, 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 right.
0: Um, so now tell me, you are no longer in New York. Yeah. During the
1: pandemic, you got you got out, out of the city. It was the strangest thing, Chad. I mean, I've, I moved to New York City at 18, So that was 26 years ago and i was going to live and die in new york i was going to raise my kids in new york city i mean nobody was more new york right i mean from the seven story walk up you know 85 (laughs) steps every day it doesn't matter you know um you know 900 soccer camp for a week i don't know i'm gonna figure out how to do that somehow and you know look i i I, I was really lucky to, Charity Water was headquartered in Soho and Tribeca, and I always right. lived a walk from work. And that somehow was the only thing that made it possible with right. all the crazy travel. You know, I, I was saying um, before, before we started recording, like the year before COVID, I did 88 flights. The year before that, I think I did 94 flights. So kind of every three and a half days, I was back and forth to JFK. But... You know, I could walk to pick up my kids from school. I could take them every morning. You know, I could stop by on a lunch break and, and see, like, I just lived within this kind of small block radius. Well, COVID hits and, you know, we're living in 1,200 square feet. We're paying an astronomic, you know, a fortune more than what any three-room, right. you know, situation in any place in the world should be worse, you know. Right. You know, $300 a month to rent my Kia Sorento, right, to lease it, $600 a month to park it right? And another 300 to insure it. So just, you know, not real, bro. I've been taking a beating, you know, for a while. I'm like (laughs) the kids and the soccer camp and the robot camp and uh, the robot camp. Yeah. Robot camp, 850 a week uh, for someone to build robots, you know, during summer from nine to three. So, you know, we were, we were feeling the pain, you know, I was, I was joking that I was always one Amex bill behind, you know, never quite paid interest, but I needed those 30 days. (laughs) So I needed it. So the pandemic hit, and you know, I um I, I, I do some speaking on the side, corporates, you know, um, you know, whether tech companies or associations or banks, all that went away, right? Every every kind of speaking engagement was canceled. And then Charity Water began to lose millions of donations very quickly. We lost 10 million in corporate donations in two weeks. Jeez. And, and you can't blame, you know, many of our, our corporate partners. Are in right. retail you know they just went into right. lockdown and they're like we're not even sure our bit like we our business is uncertain so right. myself and the the whole leadership team we took a 20 percent pay cut just thinking that hard times were going to be ahead and i looked at my wife and i'm like that's how thin it is we can't afford our rent so what are we going to do so we rented outside the city uh, about two and a half hours outside and we wound up you know long story short buying the farm in the summer and I've been on Zoom from a farm in Pennsylvania, you know, in the Delaware Water Gap, and uh, you know, I'm still able to travel. I was in Miami on Friday, you know, now that the you know the, the kind of the events are starting to pick up again. But right. such a different life. I mean, we have 25 chickens, Chad. We we're growing food. We're eating our own food. I like I'm, right. I'm trying to grow giant pumpkins just because I read a book that. Maybe you can grow giant pumpkins. And we had a bear come the other night and, like, take out all wow. our bird feeders. You know, black I mean, it's just a very different life. And it's been great. And my kids are four and six. So it's been a, a blessing to spend more time with, with them while they still want to spend time with me. Right. it's amazing. You know, uh, my age is, I'm
0: at 9753 and we're just yeah. at the 4 and 6 for you. I mean, that's just You're prime a squad. You're a squad. Time. Yeah, we're, it's good. Yeah, we're we're minivan squad. Yeah, we 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 we're rolling. But um what what an awesome time for you and your family. What an amazing uh uh twist of events who would have thought coming? And um I think, you know, like like yourself, I'm always just trying to make the most of it. Hey, yeah, I can't control what happens to me. Yeah, I can only control my response or my attitude, my perspective, and trying to be grounded, trying to be wise. What a great decision to get out there, to make that decision. It's so much time now with your family. I want to backtrack even before sure. COVID, and maybe not everyone knows your story. I, By the way, I've been so thrilled to do this with you because, and been looking forward to it. I have such a tremendous amount of respect for you. I've known you for a, a, a really long time it's and great. first really got to hear about you uh, when I went to Hillsong for the first time. I think in the first year of Hillsong, uh, I go to preach out there in New York, and you had taken Joel and Esther before they were married and Brooke and all those guys. Yeah, Brooke uh, Fraser. I think to Ethiopia. <laughs> yep. <laughs> And uh, that's when I really first learned about your work. Obviously, I knew uh, Matt. I, I would meet Matt. Yeah. Uh, uh, he, I don't know if he was in Ethiopia with you, but I uh, became friends with yeah. him. Yeah. And you know, just that whole uh, 10 years ago, that season of seeing you take Charity Water into now, I think you told me before we started recording, you raised $90 million last year. Yeah. Talk to me about the genesis of how you started what you're doing and and in and the and the adventures some of the bumps and bruises G- give me some ba- some backstory sure because uh, there's a few things I want to ask you about right now but I want to give the full context sure. of how you started this whole
1: movement well okay well I was a church kid so I was born in Philadelphia uh, raised in in New Jersey uh, when I was four my mom became an invalid there was a bizarre carbon monoxide gas leak in the house that we just moved into. My dad and I get a little sick. My mom passes out unconscious on New Year's Day, 1980. Basically, is never the same again. So she is an invalid for the rest of her life. Dad and I bounce back. And at four, you know, family planning stopped. I now go into a caregiver role. And I was raised, you know, the good church kid. I played piano on Sunday. I took care of my mom. I didn't smoke. I didn't drink. I didn't have sex. I didn't curse. You know, I was... I was living that kind of faithful uh, childhood and even teenage life. And then, you know, look, 18, I went rogue. I mean, I I woke up one day and said, okay, now it's my turn. Let me explore the exact opposite of every single rule, every, you know, ounce of religion that was thrown at me. Let me move to New York City and I'm gonna become rich and famous. So I, I joined a band. I grew my hair down to my shoulders. It was a terrible look. And the band, you know, a couple months later, maybe no surprise. We are not opening up for you two at Madison Square Garden. Uh, We broke up because everybody's doing drugs and they hate each other. We all hated each other. So I find myself in New York at 19 years old. And um, I I learned there, you know, if you want to rebel in style, there's this crazy job called a nightclub promoter. And if you can get rich and beautiful people, in the right nightclubs, you can charge them astronomic amounts for liquor. I mean, people will pay $25 for a cocktail that doesn't even cost 25 cents. Right. So, you know, here I am to the, the horror of my parents, you know, <laughs> uh, embarking upon a career two years before I'm legally allowed in the clubs as the guy behind the velvet rope, you know, the guy up in the DJ booth, you know, Spraying champagne over the crowd, and right. you know, it turned out I was I was pretty good at uh, maybe gathering would be the, the the most generous way to right you know uh, promoting a story that if you got into our club, your life had meaning. You know, if you left with a wow. hot guy or a hot girl, uh, it, you know you, you you'd arrived. You got past right. the velvet rope, and you know, look, uh, I'm I'm kind of joking about it, but uh, it it started a. A path of uh, descent into darkness and despair. Uh, so imagine, you know, the prodigal son starting out right, to eventually right. find like the pig pen uh, in the farthest place away from where, you know, where I started. Wow. And, you know, long story short, it, it took a decade to r- realize that I had actually turned my life into a dumpster fire. Uh, I'd become the most morally bankrupt, spiritually bankrupt person wow. that I knew. I was a hedonist, I was a sycophant, I was a degenerate. I did coke, ecstasy, I went to strip clubs, I gambled, I smoked two packs of Marlboro Reds for 10 years. Like, I had a lung problem. Wow. I mean, I had, I had every vice. But my life looked kind of glamorous because I'm flying around to Paris, you know, sitting in the fashion shows and I'm, I'm dating girls you know, on, on covers of fashion magazines and I drive a BMW and I have the stupid Rolex watch. And, and I, I, you know, all these markings of success that I had been grasping for. And you know, I will say, my faithful parents—they prayed for ten years. They they tried to pray home wow. to the prodigal, and they had little old ladies locked up in prayer closets. You know, wearing holes in the carpets with their knees. <laughs> and one day at 28, I was in, in South America on a kind of opulent vacation, and I just realized wow. it was like it was like uh, the game of musical chairs, and the music stopped, and for the first time, there was nowhere to sit. I just, it wow. was a disruptive moment. And I remember it kind of just saying like, if I died right now, like, do I believe like the stuff that I was brought up with? Like, do I believe in heaven and hell? And if, if I still do, I know where I'm going. You know, the, the once saved, only saved, like I'm not buying any of that, you know, based, <laughs> on, based on the life that I lived for the last wow. 10 years. And, you know, oh, there's a lot more there, but I, I wanted to find my way home. Is probably the, wow. the best way. I wanted to come back to the morality, the spirituality, the the, the mm. sense of faith and belonging, um, maybe the purity. You could even argue uh, that I've been brought up with, and you know, it was really diff. It was interesting opting back into faith at 28 because then it became mine. Wow. And sure. I started reading the Bible again and, you know, I, I rediscovered Jesus is kind of a badass, like as a non-religious figure, you know, right. maybe a, a different Jesus without all the rules and the regulation and, and a Jesus that was against some of the establishment that I was against, um, but, but I advocated love for love and service and compassion and, and, you know, virtue at the very highest inarguable level. So I remember reading this book by A.W. Tozer, The Pursuit of God. And I've tried to read it times since. Like, it's a dense book. I don't know. If it was at the right thing at the right time. Mm. And I I kind of, I went all in back the other way. I said, I, I wow. don't need a pivot. I don't need a small course correction. I got to go find the exact 180 of this wow. degenerate nightclub, you know, existence and find my way back to faith and service. And you know, my, my only idea, Chad, was to give one, almost to tithe one year of the 10 that I'd selfishly wasted. Wow. And see if I could be of use or see if I could be of service, which I know is a, is a big theme for you. And did I have anything to offer? And, and I thought, well, what if I could join a humanitarian mission as a volunteer? I applied to 10 organizations. I applied to World Vision, denied. Doctors Without Borders, <laughs> denied. Samaritan's first, denied. UNICEF, Save the Children, Red Cross. Nobody wants a nightclub promoter. And then, you know, wow. by the grace of God, one organization says, "God, if you're willing to pay us five hundred dollars a month, and if you're willing to go live in post-war Liberia, West Africa, which I'd never even heard of, before, wow. uh, then you can join." And it was, it, it was, uh, there was a lot of greats there because I still had a couple of the, uh, uh, a couple of of the um, devices left, and I had this moment. Right. It was a group called Mercy Ships that eventually took me. Uh, as a photojournalist, as a volunteer, kind of storyteller, wow. and I had this cold turkey moment where I was about to get on a five hundred and twenty two foot hospital ship, and I was gonna sail with a Christian humanitarian crew of doctors and surgeons and all these people who come to wow. serve off to a new continent, you know, to a new life. And I just remember saying, "This is it. Like this is the last cigarette. <laughs> I'm never going to touch drugs again." you know, I drank like eight beers and like, I got to quit drinking. I got to, you know, I, I can never gamble again. I I vowed never to look at another pornographic image as long as I live. Like it was this kind of almost this prophetic uh, gangway of walking and then sailing away to a new life. And that was, you yeah, know, that was 16 years ago.
0: Jeez. And so you, 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 you go on this uh, endeavor, you serve, you start to kind of uh, course correct, the pendulum swings the complete opposite direction. And how much uh, later after do you start, genero- uh, not generosity, charity, charity I mean, water? Yeah. How, how, my, it was my two friend, years. Micah has two years later, tell me about they that. How work. did that they do great come work. to be?
1: Yeah, so I'd signed up for a year. That year stretched into two. And look, I, I saw a lot of stuff. I, I, I saw people with leprosy. I saw tumors and cleft lips and cleft palate. And, you know, it was a country with no electricity, no running water, no sewage, no, and uh, brutal civil war. Um, the chief medical officer became a mentor, a guide to me. And a guy named Dr. Gary Parker, who was a, a surgeon from California. And he'd heard about this, this ship full of doctors that were helping people for free. And he joined for three months. And when I joined, he'd been there 21 years. I never went back to his former life. So I wanted wow. everything to do with this guy. I wanted him to teach me. I wanted to kind of, you know, to rub off on of me. Maybe right. this wouldn't be just a year for me. And then back into the old life. Maybe this would be you know, like the new forever life. And it was really him that I I found my way to water, to clean water through medicine. Um, Thousands of sick people would turn up and we would send thousands of people home because we didn't have doctors or three slots. So I remember my third day in in Africa on this mission, we we shut the stadium doors where 5,000 people had been waiting in a parking lot to be triaged, to be seen by our doctors. And we gave 1,500 of them these golden surgery tickets. And then we sent 3,500 people home with no help. because We didn't have enough capacity. And you know, I just remember that stuck with me. You know, and, and Dr. Gary later said, well, a lot of these people are sick because they just don't have water. And I learned that half of the country was drinking unsafe, dirty water from swamps and you know, brown, viscous ponds and rivers. And then half the disease in the country was because people were drinking dirty water. And didn't have access to sanitation. So he was really, he kind of simply said something to the effect of you really care about global health or medicine, you know, instead of raising money for the ship, like just go get the whole world clean drinking water. And and you'll effectively be a doctor to tens of millions or hundreds of millions of people. And I think there was Chad. it was just something so simple. I was like 30 years old and said, Why not? I don't know, there's only a billion people on the planet without clean water. You know that that should be easy so i came back to new york city uh at 30 broke uh because i'd given all my money to mercy ships and, and the people that i'd met over those right. two years but with a very very clear idea of what i wanted to accomplish before i died or what i you know the movement i wanted to at least lead the, the issue i wanted to make a dent on which was just bringing the world clean drinking water it was crazy You know, and it's still crazy. You know, we've made some progress over 14 years. But, you know, as we record this, dude, 10% of the world is drinking dirty water. You know, I was just in Miami on Friday. I was speaking, you know, on stage to 10,000 people at a Bitcoin conference. And I was talking crypto and technology and decentralized blockchain. I'm like, but 785 million people don't have water. (laughs) Like, water. You know, the most basic need met. So, so that's what I've been, you know, working on for, for 14 years. And, you know, I think one of the unique advantages was first, I didn't start a faith-based organization. I wouldn't have even known how to do that, to be quite honest. I mean, I didn't know any Christians. Uh, right. and, 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 you know, it was okay for me to be led or animated by my faith. Maybe uh, you could argue, you know, working out my theology by just giving people clean water. But I wanted to build right. a big tent. I wanted, you know, atheists to give, and Jews, and Mormons, and Muslims, and awesome. Christians, and you know, people who, you know, were curious or or were not. Like I wanted to make the clean water for humans the penultimate goal. Um, not even later, you know, realizing how much that might unify, you know, an increasingly divided world that, that wants to fight about, you know, it seems like every right. issue these days. Right. So. So that was kind of number one, was just who can argue with clean water for humans? So we're gonna have this right. mission that everybody right. in the world agrees right. on. And then the second thing was just, I had the advantage of not knowing anything about what I was doing. I had no charitable experience. You know, I didn't know how to start a multinational, you know, international NGO uh, or charity. So I was just talking to friends who worked at Sephora or you know, MTV, VH1, Chase Bank, and wow. I was telling them about this, and I realized that there was a huge problem because so many people didn't trust charities. They didn't know where their money would go. They didn't know how much right. of their money would actually reach the people, you know, at the end of the line. And uh, I just had a couple kind of ideas. I said, well, what if we break out all the overhead and we make this promise that 100% of all donations in the history of this organization go directly to help people get clean water, directly to fund the construction of these water projects? And in a separately audited bank account, uh, I'm going to go and raise the overhead from a small group of people who don't mind paying for that, you know, who who don't mind the unsexy office costs or the toner for the Epson copy machine or the staff salaries. And then the second big idea was just trying to use technology to prove where people's money went and to show them impact. So, you know, I remember speaking at Twitter when there were 48 employees and kind of becoming the first charity to get a million Twitter followers and, and being the first first charity on Instagram, just you know Jeez. embracing social media, realizing we would be able to connect a donor with a water project, with a family with clean water, um, putting all of our completed projects up on Google Earth and Google Maps, trying to just build this hyper-transparent organization that was different. You know, when you start from zero, you can do it a little easier than maybe moving a billion-dollar ship. And then uh, the the third idea was just so give away 100%, prove to people where the money went. And then the third idea was just we believe for the work to be culturally appropriate and sustainable Mm. in all these countries, we would have to work with the locals. So we would find those local organizations, we would build their capacity, and they would actually get the credit. They'd be leading, you know, Ethiopians would be leading their communities and country forward into the future, turning our money, our donations into uh drilling rigs into cement and pvc pipes and and water projects so we put all that together and you know you'll laugh at this but the only idea i had 14 years ago to start charity water was to throw a party in a nightclub i got a nightclub donated it was fashion week and i gave everybody open bar for an hour and i said to get in the club you have to donate twenty dollars and there was this big plexi box. And at the end, we had 15000 in cash. And we, we counted it. And we took pictures of it. And we audited it. And like three people counted it. And then wow. we took 100% of that money to a refugee camp in northern Uganda. And we did our Jeez. first few water projects. And then we sent the photos, the GPS coordinates, video of clean water flowing back to the 700 people. And said, you did this. Your $20 actually mattered. And, you know, that was almost wow. $600 million ago you know and and millions of donors around the world but those simple principles are the charity water of today where we just believe people should know where their money is going and they should be able to see the the impact of that
0: i i it's all so brilliant so fascinating uh so inspiring uh you're such an inspiration just listening to you talk you talk with such conviction and passion which to me is what makes you such a great leader uh Plus, you have the integrity and the character to back up what you're doing. That's, of course, it, 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 that's why you've been able to have such longevity in what you're doing. I want to talk to you about most people serve for a season. Most yeah. people can stay on <laughs> mission for a while. You've been doing this for years. Almost How have you years. Been, that's unbelievable. How have you been able to maintain... Because I can hear... I, I, I've been to your galas. I, 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 can, I can hear the same conviction from eight, ten years ago. Now, you know, he, here in, in Damascus, is still, it's still the same conviction. How have you been able to keep the fuel in your tank to keep service, serving others, living a selfless lifestyle? How has that—what have you done? What are the practices that you carry in your life to keep that fuel going?
1: Well, it's a great question. And, you know, there are so many times that I've thought about quitting. And, you know, I, I, I wrote a book about this journey. A year 10, I was done. I was starting the CEO wow. search. I had tapped out. And, you know, I wound up taking some time off and kind of getting a new, you know, maybe a new vision for the next season. You know, it is incredibly difficult. I mean, you know, from the outside, you know, Charity Water is going to raise $100 million this year. And like, it looks like things are easy. It is so hard you know, the, leading a complex organization working across 29 countries. I mean, there's a civil war in Ethiopia. You, you, you can't imagine how difficult it is. I think at some point I've embraced just how hard it is and right. I don't want to be a quitter, you know? And, and like, if it doesn't kill you, then the best is yet to come. So I really right. believe like the more trials you can withstand or the more you can... Resist the burnout, you can find a way to to you know to do the next leg, mm. the more good things happen. And you know, I'll give you a couple examples. So well, I saw this great chart of Amazon stock price over the last 27 years. Mm. And the chart looks like a flat line for 20 years, and then it goes up and to the right. And the, the tweet went something like this: had Jeff Bezos left Amazon in year 20, he would have left 93% of the value unrealized. 7% of the value created by Amazon was in two decades, but then there was a tipping point. And in the last seven years, 93%. So I I don't know that Charity Water is gonna have a hockey stick growth, but I do think that perseverance and grit and stamina is is in such rare supply these days. Um, when you know so many people think that a year is a long time to stay at a job or to have an experience, and right. I, I mean that I'm just getting good at some things. Like 14 <laughs> years in, I can't even imagine you know, right. developing any proficiency in in three years or five years. So I think I'm yeah. a little older. You know, I, I just think in terms uh, of longer seasons. And and I will tell you, you know, COVID was hit charity one really hard. But when you still are alive years later, you get the benefit of some of the seeds you planted many years ago. And there was a, a 38-year-old gentleman who I still, Chad, have never met, who in December of last year gave $11 million. He saw me speak many years ago. He saw me speak seven years ago, had made a small donation then. And the idea of Charity Jeez. Water stuck with him. And well, he went and built a company in that time. And he sold that company last year and had a moment to be really generous. And he called us up and guess what? We could easily absorb $10 million. We built a hundred million dollar organization and we knew what to do. It, And we actually had a program and he wasn't the first to give $10 million. So, you know, we kind of got the benefit of still, we're still here. They're like, you know, the phone number still works. Right. And we're still persevering. And, you know, I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a rare occurrence. You know, it's, it's, not, it's not often. Very rare. Norm- normally, we're working for 99% of it. Right, 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 I think that's just a testament to when you continue to show up and persevere. You know, you allow, you allow for things like that to happen. You know, totally. for someone I, to say, I've been following you for 10 years. And, you know, oh, my God, I, I just was you know, it's funny. I, I pitched a podcast in the crypto space, a big one. And he was like, yeah, no. And then two weeks later, he'd gone to Guatemala had seen the water crisis, writes me back and said, I'd love to have you on. You just never know, you know, what experiences someone might have that might bring them to you, your vision, your passion. And sometimes you got to wait a really long time for that.
0: I like how James Clear, he's the one that wrote Atomic Habits. He calls it the compound of consistency. And you do something really well for as long as you've done it. And it's just, the, the, there you go. It's compound, it's compound interest. You got a lot going for you. Tell me why, in your opinion, you've seen a lot of people come and go in your organization. You've probably seen a lot of support come and go. Why do you think a lot of people get off the bus when it comes to service? Is it exhaustion? Is it frustration that the results aren't coming as fast as we want? Is it the feeling of being overwhelmed that are we really making a a significant difference what what in your opinion why do people stop serving
1: i think it's gosh that's a tough question chad i mean i think part of it has to do with attention span I and mean, people get bored you know we i mean you that's and i like cool. our attention span i'm sure is is a lot less than it was 5 years ago or 10 years ago you right. know that's all the stuff all the digital media our phones you know just the the myriad distractions um I, I also find, you know, so few people go deep with any cause, you know, so it's mm. just kind of a surface, like, oh, I'm into sex trafficking. It's like, okay, you know, could you tell me, like, the first thing about the issue globally or the underlying causes? You know, right. I mean, you, you pick your cause, um, and, 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 and I think often there's just such a cursory knowledge of mm. the, the mission they might be serving, you know, whether it's a food bank locally. Like, well, do you really understand you know how they're trying to address the local needs, or 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 what are the local needs? You know mm-hmm. whether whether it's clean water. Um, you know I'm I'm always surprised at how people just you know they are they often maybe they don't have time to do the work. Um, and then you know if you only have a surface level knowledge or engagement, what's well, very easy to just move on to the next thing. You know the new right. shiny toy, the uh, you know the squirrel, the next squirrel, the to new to, agenda. Place. So. Um, I, I I don't really know how to combat that except you know you try to take people deeper as as deep as they're willing to go yep. um, you you introduce more complexity to people who, who want to have a deep, deep a deeper understanding of, right. of the issue and and look we've had supporters who've been around for 15 years wow uh, from the very beginning and you know so I I, I try to focus more time staying positive um, you know than right because it's really easy to get discouraged and I'm I'm sure there's some nonprofit leaders that are listening. I mean, it's extraordinarily difficult getting people to part mm-hmm. with their money. Uh, I mean, it's just extraordinarily difficult. And you know, you see people often with such immense wealth and and in your mind because you're the the impassioned leader of your cause, they're giving so little. Right? If it was you, You wouldn't have nine Lamborghinis and Ferraris. You would give all that money to the cause and like go buy a Prius, you know? Or You don't need those watches. Right. Those watches could go to good use. So I think, you know, it's our job to be winsome, to invite, Mm. like invite is my favorite word. You are invited to bring your time, your talent, your money to this cause to serve. And I really believe the more... Uh, so I, I've said this, but I'll say it in your way. The more people give, the more they give, right? So the more you exercise that muscle, the more you serve, the more you want to serve, bottom right? line, Because it leaves your heart in a place that is about others and really away from a place of selfishness or consumption or, you know, keeping up with the Joneses. And it, it opens you up and you're, you're, you're blessed because of that service, because of that giving. So I think it's our job to, create, uh, guilt-free, uh, opportunities and just winsomely, kindly invite people. And they may start with a very small amount of money in your mind for what they should be giving. Sure. But, sure. You know, uh, then some people get it and, you know, it's, right. it's a journey. We're all on a different journey. I, I didn't give to a charity from 18 to 28. I didn't give to a single thing. And, you know, now I've given 15 and, years yeah, to this That's cause. a great point. So I had, to, I had to, you know, come to that point of, of realization. So I think it's our job to, to not point the finger to, to just invite people to be a part of something really great and then make sure that what they're giving to has total integrity and transparency and, you know, and, is, and it's effective so that you can then restore their faith. You know, when you close that loop and you give them a good experience, then they want to give more, not just to your organization, but just give more in
0: general. In general. And my my, my my guess would be people that are on your staff, people that are in your world, people that have been on the journey for fifteen years with you. That lifestyle that you've invited them into, they're not just giving giving to your charity. They're not just giving right. in one area. Right. It I, becomes a lifestyle.
1: I yeah, I introduce donors to other charities all the time. I mean I've introduced totally. our biggest donors. And I and I and and I just I have such an abundance mentality when it comes. I mean, scarcity mindset will will kill fundraising, kill organization. So there there is enough, Chad. I mean, you know, I don't believe totally. we have taken enough in for our work. I've helped twelve point seven million people get clean water. That is currently one sixty <sighs> fifth of the current seven hundred eighty five million people. So in fourteen years of my life, you know, in fifteen hundred flights and and travel to sixty nine countries and ethiopia 31 times like i have helped solve 1.6 percent so you know one percent of the time i'm trying to encourage myself and i will fill up madison square garden so we are now at 700 msgs full of people right 700 sold out that's amazing. Shows. almost two years of the garden full just to capture the people that have clean water wow. but 99 percent wow. of the time i'm thinking about how do i go finish the job how do we scale right. how do we grow the movement how do we invite more people into this and and how do we do more? So I think that keeps you going as well because I you know people often feel like we've done so much or we're so successful. I'm like sure guys this is a fraction of what I envisioned <laughs> right it is, it is literally a fraction so of good. what I thought was possible. So it better still be ahead. It's it better be next. It, it better be I in the next that. next year, three years, five years, 10 years, you know, because I refuse to let go of that aspirational dream, which is really everybody. Like we're done when everybody has clean water. Not wow. 12 million people. You know, everybody. I love that. Everybody. Now, and I, I think I'll, Gary Haugen at IJM would probably say the same thing, right? You know, sure. He's done fighting when there isn't a single child slave in the world. And it's they've amazing. helped a lot of people. And they're, you know, they're trying to grow the movement every single time, you know, you pick a, you pick a founder who's been around for a while. And, you know, we don't think in terms of like a hundred thousand people or a million people, and then we drop the mic and go, you know, work at a bank or, you know, try and make a million dollars in tech. You know, we are, we're committed to seeing as much of it through as possible.
0: It's amazing. I, I, I want to ask you, uh, about your legacy and you, you know, you, you've, uh, 15 years, faithful service, uh, books. Uh, speaking at large events uh congratulations on your newest book by the way I, I just think that everything that you uh, represent to me is you are a leader of leaders you're the gold standard in so many ways to me uh just even listening to you talk today I'm I'm very inspired you're a, you're an inspirational leader when you think about your legacy like when it comes to your book or you're at a Bitcoin conference, What's for you, like, you go, at the end of the day, this is my message. My message, my, my work is clean water. Yeah. But my, I always find that you, my, my, I'm a pastor, so my, my work, building church. My work, you know, is, is, is raising leaders, so on and so forth. But my message is the gospel. When you think about yeah. your message, yeah,
1: sure. what well, I, would you go? I'm going to go mission and vision. So, and I'm going to do charity colon water. So the mission is water. The thing we are doing is bringing clean and safe drinking water to people in need around the world. But charity, the real vision, maybe the bigger thing is a movement of love, a movement of generosity. Charity in the Latin is caritas. And it it means to love your neighbor and get nothing in return. It is Mm. about service. It's service in the purest form. It's love. In the purest form, and we need more people moving towards that, moving their lives towards that, starting organizations that put more of that in the world. Not people walking away from it, walking away from each other, you know, divided on different issues. More people coming together. So the bigger thing, I would argue, Chad, that I could, I could very successfully change charity water to charity education, or charity health, wow. or charity food, you know, charity hunger. Because the core thing that I think people are buying is human flourishing. It's ending needless suffering around the world. Now we've chosen to do that, which we think like water is the most powerful vehicle to do that, to give people, you know, the the, the most basic need, right? The latter one is water. If you don't have clean water, you have a lot of problems in your life. But I actually think the bigger thing that we're doing is this reimagining. Charity, reinventing charity, bringing people back to the table of giving and generosity, you know, using their time and their talent. You know, the, there's one saying that, uh, that is my legacy, that would be my, my um, I guess, uh, like the life verse. And it was, a um, guy like sent it at a, at a bodega and it says, he sent me, he was many years ago, he was passing a bodega in New York City, he sent me a picture. And it says, do not be afraid of work with no end. And it's from an old Jewish text, uh, an, an old rabbi said it many years ago, do not be afraid of work with no end. And I think, you know, if your work is in service of others, if you're waking up saying, how can I be a blessing? How can I use what I've been given, what I've been blessed with, you know, to bless others, to look around my local community and help people flourish, to look around the global community and see how I can contribute. There is really never a drop the mic moment. And I kind of dream of the day when Charity Water and a bunch of other great water orgs out there, you know, see this day when everybody gets clean water. I think, you know, instead of dropping the mic and all trying to get rich, we're going to take everything we've learned over 30 Mm. decades and go say, okay, well, what else do people need to flourish? What else? Who else is suffering that doesn't need to? And let's take our whole community and say, okay, up next, people need shelter. You know, up That's next, it. people need security. Up next, you know, kids need an education. So I think it's more of a it's a long term intention. And you know, my yep. journey was just my intention for ten years was selfishness and sex, drugs, alcohol, status, right. all right. that. And I, I I was lucky enough to to have kind of the extreme, you know, epiphany or uh, the the course correction. And this is way better. You know, I'm I don't miss better. the clubs, bro. I don't miss the. Uh, I don't miss the watches or the cars or any of that stuff. You know, it has so no it has no allure.
0: It's just so empty and so shallow. And and it, it really is, you know, uh, to quote a proverb, those who refresh others will they themselves be refreshed. You just you can't break away from that law. When you're serving others and giving someone uh, in in your case clean water, it refreshes your soul. It's just bottom, bottom line. I just believe in that so much and uh, again, I, uh, thank you for living the life that you're living. But, you know, I was just thinking, even as you're talking, leadership at the end of the day, leadership is a transfer of belief and yeah. you're transferring that i'm i'm it's a deposit into me today that your your belief about service your belief about the work never ending i'm receiving that today so thank you for taking the time to come and be on this today thank you for being you know who you are and i think every listen whoever's listening today wherever you're at you're in the car you're on a run right now you need to get involved with Charity Water. You need to get involved with what Scott's doing. Read his book and be
1: inspired by the life that he's living. So, thanks, man. Well, listen, the, I, the simplest way people can do that we we have a new community a couple years old called The Spring, which is which is our version of Spotify or Netflix,
0: you oh, know, cool. or, or Amazon
1: Prime. But you don't get any movies. You don't get any music. And 100 uh, percent of whatever you know people are able to give every month goes to to clean water projects. So that's now that's been actually driving so much of the growth, you know, even through the wow. pandemic. We've got people, spring members now in 147 countries. We have spring members giving to clean water in North Korea, in Ghana, in Malawi, you know, who are giving 10, 20, 30 bucks a month, you know, because they, they care about the issue. So that's just the spring.com if anybody's interested. There's some videos, there's well, a lot more info. I'm getting
0: I'm getting on the spring.com. Awesome. Awesome. And so I'm I'd gonna love you, give love your support, man. Absolutely, bro. I hope to see you in person. Correct me if I'm wrong. Isn't your wife? Isn't she from Seattle?
1: She's a Seattle girl. Is that right? I, no, no, she's right, a Brooklyn. She's a Brooklyn girl. But we like she's, it out in Seattle, man. We love it out there. I have and, some and sort people. of uh, some sort of maybe it was back
0: in the day when you were going there with. Remember Ryan Meeks? Yep. Yep. Ryan was my East best. Lake. He's my best friend growing up. Yep. I remember you going to Seattle with Ryan Meeks. That's yeah, they did a they
1: did a famous uh, church party with open drinks for raised, drinks, drinks for drinks. Five hundred fifty thousand dollars. They went and showed May, the
0: community. They were made not it religious. to like made it to like King Five News. Like they were on the local, was, you know, like news at night. It's awesome. It was, well, it was th- thank you, thank you for being who you are, bro. And uh, I hope to see you in person soon. Thanks, man.
1: So good to see you and connect again.
0: What a conversation, and uh, again, did you think you were going to Galilee today? Did, he, did, 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 did you catch that? this guy he's on, he's on his street borders Galilee and what was the other city? I can't I can't remember it right now, but anyways, Scott Harrison, phenomenal job. We are very, very thankful to have him on the pod. I love saying the pod. That's really cool, right? Yeah, you know, just on the pod. It just works. The team in here is looking at me and now laughing at me. Um, okay, as promised, we are getting to a question. Every episode, we are getting to a question. Also, before we get to the question, if you have not subscribed to our leadership emails, we put out a leadership email every week. Make sure you go to uh, my website, chadveach.org. We're very big in the org space over here at the Zoe Chadveach space. Uh, go to my name, Click on leadership emails. Subscribe to that. While you're there, by the way, pick up a Help I Work with People book. Uh, Leave leave a a review on Amazon. I I don't know if you've read Help I Work with People, but I want to encourage everybody. I just feel like saying that you need to pick up Help I Work with People. So get the email. Get the book. Okay, we're jumping in. This is from Sam from the Outer Banks. Who says that? Is this guy being real? Is he just? Does he like the TV show? Who says, I'm from the Outer Banks? Sam says this. And Sam is asking, say the question again, Aaron over here, our producer, how Like calling him know. a producer. Aaron, how say the question. How do you know the right people to be vulnerable with during your Right. How to know the right people to be vulnerable with during your growth. This is a great question. Because... I'll give you a biblical example here. Joseph shares his dream, he's growing, shares a dream with the wrong people. Never share the right thing with the wrong people. This is growing in leadership, discerning who is for you, who is with you, who can I trust. Now, there are people around you you can trust. And there are people around you you can't trust, and you can't expect everyone in your life to be able to handle the intimate losses and gains of your life. So, some people would love to hear about your losses because they're actually not rooting for you. And some people would love to hear about your gains because they do actually care and they want to root for you. So, if I were you, I would start to really test the waters. Who do I feel comfortable sharing? my losses with, and who do I know I can share my gains with? Some people are called to encourage you, champion you, be a cheerleader of you. Those are called safe people. Safe people you can share everything with, and you know it doesn't sway their opinion of you. They're actually really for you. So that when we say the word vulnerable, we think a lot of times of just losses. And we Can I be vulnerable and share a, a, a mistake I made? No, no being really vulnerable is sharing success. So you need to find people in your world that you can share both with. And my encouragement is to test the waters, give a little bit of this and a little bit of that, and let's see how that flows. and that tells you that 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 intuition, that discernment tells you how far can I go in this relationship. So that's my encouragement with you with all of you and I, and and as we all do this together, Let's err on the side of trusting people. I would much rather err. You're going to err on a side, by the way, as you as you Err on the side of grace. Err on the side of generosity. Err on the side of trust. Err on the side of believing the best. Don't 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 err on the side of being jaded, being shrewd, being being stingy. No, err on the right side, and things will always work out. Leadership leaning. We love you. We love all the leaners out there. We're going to be back. We're going to keep things on fire, and you're going to love this next episode. Make sure in the in-between time you subscribe, comment, like, share, post. Bada, bada, we out from the pod. We'll see you next time.